I'd love for years hearing stories of miracles that God does. You know, it seems that there's a greater measure of faith in the poor countries than there is in the West. Someone once said, we have health insurance, so we don't worry about healing. It was one of my greatest pleasures to live in the midst of a sovereign move of God for a year or so. Det var en stor glädje att bli vänts upplevt ett årstid som suverän betegelse av Guds son. You know, we pray for healing all the time in our prayer room in Kansas City. During a one-year period, ten-month period, when the Lord moved sovereignly in our midst, we recorded over 7,000 testimonies of healing. In the West. I mean, I'm not talking about they had a headache and the headache went. I'm talking about their spine had been crooked for 50 years. I'm talking about the young man with cerebral palsy who began running around the room. The gentleman who'd been deaf for 40 years and lived instantly over the lady who was eaten up with ovarian cancer. She had tumors the size of golf balls all throughout. And receiving prayer one night, they all dissolved. She went to the doctor. This is our God. This is our God, and He doesn't just want to do it in Africa, He wants to do it in our midst. But we have to have a couple of revelations. The one revelation is this. God not only can heal, He wants to heal. He always wants to heal. And if you are sick, He wants to heal you. A lot of people get offended by that statement. Because they confuse that statement with why am I not healed now. I can prove to you biblically that God does not want you sick. Because you are going to live in His presence forever. And there is no sickness in heaven. If God wanted people sick, there'd be a little bit of sickness in his presence there's no sickness and disease in his you say well I can believe God from some sickness and disease but, but you know the doctor said that this one I'm going to live with it for the rest of my life Psalm 103 he heals all my diseases. All my diseases. All my diseases. What about cancer? All. 
Is cancer part of all? I am definitely not. Is oh. rheumatoid arthritis part of all? I am definitely not. Is short-sightedness part of all? I can't wait till the day I get rid of these glasses. I got so jealous seeing young men and women getting healed of short-sightedness. I remember one young man came up and he wore glasses that were about a centimeter thick. And we tested his eyesight. And he had 20-20 vision. Perfect vision. Oh, perfect. Perfect vision. We like we trample on the glasses. We had about 10 testimonies like that. It's amazing what we will live with. Because it doesn't bother us. But sickness bothers God. And healing is a testimony of His goodness. And many of us, we go, well, I believe that God heals, but He heals through Bill Johnson. Or he heals through Tarion. Or John and Carol Arnold. And if I get to one of their meetings, I have faith to be healed. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you who believe in my name, Lay your hands on the sick. They will recover. They will recover. Not they might recover. They will recover. The other thing we have to understand is that not all healing is instantaneous. A lot of people walk away disappointed because they didn't get an instant miracle. What we discovered because we had extended meetings night after night after night. There was that people got prayed for one night and a day or two later they realized they'd been healed. So we saw plenty of instant miracles. But we saw many miracles that took place over days and weeks. And what often happens is the devil in that gap tries to convince you that God's not going to heal you. And we have to stand on the truth of God. You know, there's sometimes when we're in a sovereign move of God, and we get healed because we're in the manifest presence of God. And we walk out and the enemy tries to convince us And that's where we have to contend by faith. I am healed. 
Now, I'm not talking about positive confession. I'm talking about you got healed in that meeting. The symptoms went away. And the devil tries to put fake symptoms on you. And I've talked to people. And they say, well, you know, they weren't actually properly healed. I disagree. I've talked to people, I've talked to men in ministry who've seen blind eyes open and because that person did not keep their confession of their healing six weeks later they were blind. So, How many of you know you can't fake healing the blind? <laughs> so we need to stand on the truth of his word. I believe one of the greatest areas where the enemy gains victory in our lives is because we are not established in the truth of the Word of God. This book is the most precious gift you have. And, and the tragedy is so many believers of unfamiliar with even Og the story of the tragedian er at så mange troende ikke kjenner til historien i denne boka. We bring the book to church vi tar med boka til kirken because we want to look spiritual fordi vi vil gjerne se litt andet we don't open the book men vi åpner ikke we have a prayer time and we keep the book closed. And we say, God, give me a word to encourage me. And we want something outside of the book. And the Lord says, why don't you start with the book and let me bring the book to life in your heart. One of the primary ways the Lord will speak to you is by reminding you of the words that Jesus already spoke. He's called the spirit of revelation. That means he brings light to that which is hidden. But if you haven't got his word hidden in your heart, how's he going to bring it to life? And there are many people walking in defeat simply because they have not filled their mind and their heart with this word. This word is useful in every situation of life. Read the word. Pray the word. Sing the word. Obey the word. Thank the Lord for his word. If you know the word, 
You are filling yourself with truth. If you walk according to the word, Jesus says, you are my disciples. He says, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And he who the Son sets free is Free indeed. We have got to get a revelation of You know, I I am a Holy Spirit guy. I can show you videos that prove that. I was anyway. I rolled on the floor for days. I'm a lawyer. I really am a lawyer. So to roll on the floor in front of thousands of people, it's not what an English lawyer usually does. I love the presence of the Holy Spirit. But there's a crisis in the body of Christ. And the crisis is this. One group says we are men and women of the word. The other group says we are men and women of the spirit. We don't want to get too into the word otherwise we'll get dry. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's favorite book is? He wrote it. He wrote it. If you claim to be a person of the Spirit, you might want to get familiar with the book that he wrote. 99% of your understanding of God's ways comes from this book. Eat the word. Memorize the word. Meditate on the word. I was so encouraged by Dan Slade's word last night. I have four children. They go from the ages of three months to 11 years. Right now, my nine and ten year old, my nine and eleven year old, are trying to find any way they can to earn money. My nine-year-old daughter wanted to work at a French restaurant. And she had me check out the labor laws to see if there was any way around the law so she could get a job. It's, anyway. They just like want money. You know, she'll go into her brother's room and try and steal one of his toys and put it on eBay. <laughs> so yesterday, Dan said this. Oh, so he goes and said that. He said. I paid my kids to memorize the Bible. I thought, brilliant. 
I was so gripped as a young man because my name was Wesley. Jag blev så greppet som en ung man på mitt namn är Wesley. It still is. Det är fortsatt. But I wanted to know about the man who I was named after. And his name was John Wesley. And because of what I found out about John Wesley, I wanted to walk in the same power that he walked in. Now I love reading about every kind of revival. I like the story of the Welsh revival. In the, in the 19, early 1900s, God swept through Wales. And in six months, 100,000 people were saved. Like, that was a lot of people back then. I mean, the, the, the pubs had to close down. The courts had to close down. The little horses in the mines, the pit ponies they called them, no longer understood their masters. Because the words their masters used were curse words. And so they didn't know how to start and stop anymore. There was a spirit of glory that rested over Wales for six months Wales. I love the stories of revivals like Azusa Street in the 1900s. The way the Lord released healing with such power. When arms just grew out of sockets. There's a story about a man who came into the meeting with no arm. And they prayed for him and in seconds that arm shot out. Young men and women would gather around sick people. My daughter was reading a story the other day about this lady who came in and she'd been in a fight and someone had bitten her ear off. And they prayed for her and the ear grew back. The man who had his fingers chopped off by an industrial machine. And this 16 year old, uh, 18 year old young man lifted his hand in the air. And they watched as the fingers grew back. Including the fingernails. The lady who was a, a skeleton because of the cancer in her body. And she walked in and just breathed in the atmosphere of the presence of God. She was completely healed and gained 20 kilos in four hours. Some of us want the opposite anointing, right? <laughs> I remember being in a meeting and I had a word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge was this. It 
it was about somebody who kept on eating and couldn't gain weight. And it was related to the metabolism. And I said, wherever you are, you keep eating and you can't gain weight. The Lord wants to heal you. <laughs> Och så sa det det borde nog är du som fortsätter att spisa och spisa och spisa så inte kan lägga på det. I saw I saw people thinking about that enviously. Oh, jag såg det som du tänkte på när vi sydelser. I want to tell you that young man was healed. He was watching on TV in another part of the country. And two months later, he came and saw me. And said, from that moment on, he was healed and he was able to gain weight. He said he would have chocolate bars and protein shakes between every meal. And could not gain weight at all. So I love the glory stories of the healing revival. I heard a story about the. Uh, healing revival in America in the 1950s. Yeah, I heard the story from Hebrews' Vectors in America for the 50s. There was a great healing revival in America. There was an truly Hebrews' Vectors in USA. And this gentleman was a young man in a healing revival. Oh, they had a young man in a Hebrews' Vectors. And traveled round with one of the great evangelists. So the rest of it was not the whole story of evangelism. And he said they had these big tents. Oh, they had these big tents. Tens of thousands of people would fit in these tents. And then they had a second tent next to the main tent. They called it the invalid tent. It held 2,000 people. And they would go to the hospital. And they would pay for a one-way ambulance ride for all of the hospital who wanted to come to the meeting. And they never needed to pay for the round trip. Because every night they cleared out the hospital. 2,000 people. Night after night after night. I love those kind of stories. But I love the story about John Wesley. Because what happened in England in the 1700s when the Spirit of God moved thousands upon thousands of people were saved through the preaching of the Gospel. But in a 40 year period the whole of English society was transformed. They say that before John Wesley got baptized with the Holy Spirit England was a mess. So England to talk comes. It was on the verge of revolution. There was yet for a revolution. They say that people in England went over to America. They they saw that the men of England were over to America to see if revolution would work, so they could come and do it in England. For to see on the day that the revolution was going to come and fall, they saw it in England. Well, it worked in America. Well, it did in America. But it didn't work in England. Because there was a transformation of society. Because of the preaching of the gospel. In London in the 1720s, every 
One out of every five houses was a drinking house. You could buy gin so cheaply that you could buy, you could get drunk for a penny. But for two pence you could get the straw so you could sleep it off. <laughs> they, the prisons were a mess. There was no education. There was a slave trade. There was mass poverty. And within a 40-year period, not only did people get saved, but society was transformed. How many of you have that vision for your city? To see wickedness pushed back. To see the glory of God not just save and heal but transform whole communities. Because our God is still in the same business today. He's the God who makes all things new. He is the God who makes every wrong thing right. And there's an overarching plan. There's a big plan. Of how God's going to ultimately do that. He is going to fill the earth with his glory. When Jesus comes back, every knee is going to bow. The kingdom is coming in fullness one day. And I encourage you to study that plan. A lot of people get scared by the book of Revelation. I love the book of Revelation. They go, oh, it's mindless. Violence. People say it's violence. I say, have you ever watched an action movie? Where the good guy wins? I grew up watching westerns and action movies. And my mom always used to walk in right when there was lots of shooting going on. And sometimes she would go and turn off the TV. And I go, no! I want to know what happens. This is the best part. It's where the guy gets the girl. The guy gets the girl. And the bad guy gets thrown in the prison. And everything's happy ever after. That's the book of Revelation. Really, that's what it's about. Jesus is coming back to fully destroy his enemies, to put the bad guys into jail, and to fill the earth with his glory. That's the hope of our calling. 
Verse 3. Chapter 51. 51? 51, yeah. Okay. Chapter 10, verse 3. They get this vision. Like, I got the vision for revival. And they say, Awake, awake! Put on strength, God! Show your strength again, God! Release your power, oh God! I want you to do it, God! And God surprises them. You see, they've been in sin and disobedience. And what we're going to discover is they've written themselves off. They thought that God would do it. But they didn't believe he would do it through them. And they stood in this place of asking God to do something. And God responds in chapter 52. He says, I love that you're asking me. But I can't do it if you don't wake up too. We come to the place of prayer and we ask God to move. And God says, yes, I move at the sound of your voice. But then he turns around and says, but I want to move through you. You know, a lot of, I grew up with this kind of idea of revival. That if I prayed for revival, one day revival would come. So I didn't really know what it looked like. You know, one day revival's coming to my city. And, and many believers kind of have this idea revival's coming one day. Yeah, on that day we'll kind of sit and watch. Oh, revival's here. You know, we're going to kind of watch revival happen. We're going to watch this whole thing. God's going to do it all. You know, because we've never seen anything like that happen. We know our weaknesses. God will use that person, but not me. I really messed up my life. So maybe God will use my kids. You see, Israel had really messed up. And God looks at them. Chapter 52. He says, I'm going to awake. But I want you to wake up. He says, the way I am going to move is through my people. It's not boring you, Emma. I know. It's a great theme of scripture. I touched on it yesterday. But it's the theme that God wants to partner with his people. Beloved, the revelation of the Father is awesome. That we are safe in the Father's love. 
But beloved, we're not just brought into the Father's love so we can hang about in the Father's house. We're brought into the Father's house so he can prepare us to be a part of his son. The Lord is releasing two revelations to the body of Christ in this hour. It's the revelation that we have a father. And it's the revelation that we are the bride. One gives us eternal security. And the other gives us eternal destiny. And the glory of the church in this hour of history. Is that God wants us to awaken to the fact that we're his bride. We are the inheritance of Jesus. We are what Jesus asked his father for. That's a crazy concept. Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1. That the Ephesians would come to know the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That we would know that we are Jesus' inheritance. We are his reward. We are what makes him glad. I want to tell you, many Bible translators don't even translate it right. Because that revelation seems so I've read Bible translations and they translate that verse in Ephesians 1 that we would know our inheritance in Him. But it says exactly the opposite. He wants us to know His inheritance in us. The Song of Solomon is a poem. And it's a poem that speaks of the preparation of a bride to partner with a bridegroom. It's a picture of how Jesus is preparing a bride to partner with him. And the point at which she enters into that partnership is when she finally understands this. In chapter 7, verse 10. I belong to my beloved. And his desire is for me. But it's a long journey. She knows for a long time that she likes him. But Jesus says, you will not partner with me unless you know that I like him. All she sees is her darkness. She goes, my beloved is mine. 
I think I'm his. Or don't. don't. You go do all the cool stuff, and I'll just hang out here. Well, do you go to the window that I spend the night now on the brief? And Jesus turns to her. And he says, wake up, wake up. Wake up to who you are. In the words of Isaiah, he says, Put on your strength. Chapter 52, verse 1, he says, Wake up, put on your strength. Put on your beautiful garments. He calls her to her destiny. You were created to put on strength. God created you to anoint you with his power. The strength that you were created to walk in was the very power of God. Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father sent me, I send you. Jesus saw the disciples of Father and sent them mine, so send there. How did God send Jesus? What I'm sent the good Jesus. Acts chapter ten thirty eight. Apostles chapter ten thirty eight. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. God saw Jesus of Nazareth with the Spirit and power. Hello, okay. And he went about healing everyone who was oppressed of the devil. As the Father sent Jesus, so he wants to send you. Put on your strength. Put on your strength and put on your beautiful garments. Beloved, your destiny is to walk not only in the power of Jesus, but to walk in the beauty of Jesus. Jesus wants to impart his beauty to you. How's that possible? I'm such a mess. He says, I've created beautiful garments for you the blood of Jesus makes you clean. The power of the Holy Spirit transforms you into his image. Your destiny is not to live as a servant. You see, a servant can exercise the power of his master. But a servant will never wear the beauty of his master. Jesus wants us to be clothed with his very beauty. He wants the universe to be stunned with the beauty of the bride. And that's you and that's me. He wants to display your beauty to the universe. And everyone will look and go, isn't she beautiful? She looks like her husband. She lives and talks and breathes like her husband. 
Hun går og snakker og puster som sin mann. That's your destiny. Det er ditt kall og din, din mål. Problem is here in Isaiah 52. Men problemet er at her i Isaiah 52. The bride is in the dust. Så er bruden i, i støvet. She's, she's in the gutter. Hun er nede i denne stein. She's got chains of bondage around her neck. Hun har... Hun er bundet. She's not wearing her beautiful garments. She's not wearing her garments of strength. But she's imprisoned by lies. It's where many in the body of Christ are living today. We're not walking in the beauty and glory of Jesus. Because all we believe are the lies that the enemy tells us about ourselves. We've not heard the voice of Jesus saying to us. John 17, 24. Jesus' prayer was this. Father, I desire that those you have given me would be with me where I am. Beloved, that was the final prayer of Jesus. Before he went to the cross. And I used to read that. Oh, of course he wanted the apostles with him. They were awesome. Jesus said, I desire the ones who are about to forsake me and betray me. Father, give them to me. I want them. I want weak ones. I want the ones who cannot do anything in their own strength. So that I can clothe them in forgiveness. And I can clothe them in mercy. And I can clothe them in righteousness. And I can clothe them in power. I want them with me. Beloved, that was a prayer for you. That prayer in John 17 was Jesus saying, Father, I want the guys in Dunsberg to be with me. Not just in heaven for eternity. I want them to partner with me where I'm working. I won't do it without them. They can't do it without me. But I will not release my glory on the earth without them. And about this point, some of us begin to think, yeah, but he doesn't know my secrets. He doesn't know what I've done. He'd be shocked by my sin. Beloved, he's not shocked. He knew it all. And he still chose you. 
And so he comes on in chapter 52. And he says to the bride who's in the dust. Believing the lie that she's not good enough. Believing the lie that because she failed in her job. You see, let me explain something. Many of us don't have a problem with Jesus forgiving us our sins before we were called and It's when we live under the weight of condemnation after we've been saved. The lie comes into our minds, I should have known better. I had such a high calling. I had so many promises. And I failed God. How can you restore me now? I'm such a failure. Why would he so And when we trip up, when we fall, in our sincere pursuit of God, we fall and land in the gutter. And the enemy's right there. As we turn to stand up before God. You look pretty dirty. God won't accept you now. You really failed him that way. And with every lie that we agree with. He wraps a chain and because we feel dirty, we often begin to act dirty. If you feel shame, you will act shamefully. And then you'll feel more shame. And the enemy's right there, the accuser of the brethren. And you see, because many of us are not rooted in the truth of God's word. And the enemy mixes lies with truth. He makes inferences. You're such a sinner. Do you think God accepts sin? Do you think God enjoys sin? No, I don't think God enjoys sin. Well, then you're full of sin, aren't you? Think God enjoys you? And if we don't know what God's word says, that lie us. Because what we should say at that point is, I am weak, but I am beautiful to him. I have stumbled, but the Lord will deliver me from my stumbling. A righteous man may fall seven times, but the Lord is my deliverer. Even in my weakness, I'm beautiful to him. But unless we know the word, unless we know the word, 
Jesus said it this way in John 17, 26. He says, Father, Father, I want them to be with me where I am. I want them to participate in my glory. So he says, I've declared your name. And I'll declare it again. So that the love with which you love me You see, when we know who he is and we know how he feels about us we begin to experience his love. We begin to experience his delight in us. And when we feel enjoyed by God, we will give ourselves fully to God. That's why Paul prayed to the Ephesians. For the Ephesians. I want them to know the depth and the width and the length. Of the love of Christ. Or of A love which surpasses knowledge. So that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. So The key to walking in fullness. Is the experience of his enjoyment. The entry point into the experience of his love is to hear him declaring his name over us. That we can hear the truth of how he feels about us. That we can feel the truth of his desire towards us. Do you know how Jesus loves us? In John 15, he says, And this is the, one of the most profound verses. John 15, verse 9. As the Father loved me. So Father so I have loved you. With the same love that God the Father loves God the Son. God the Son loves you with that same love. That is profound. He loves you that way. You go, yeah, but Jesus has done all kinds of cool things by that point. Oh. Jesus has done all kinds of cool things. But if you go back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he gets baptized by John. And the voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. Before he had done one miracle, before he preached one sermon, before he raised one dead person, the 
declaration of the Father over the Son. Before he'd resisted temptation. Before he'd gone to the cross. I love you. I enjoy you. In that way is how he loves you. My people will know my name. Jesus says, I will declare it. And I will declare it again. And the declaration of the truth of my name will set them free. Because it will anchor them in the power of God. And that is the doorway to walking in fullness. We had a young lady in our community. Her name was Ashley. She had been raped two years before she came to Kansas. She felt worthless. She felt empty. She'd grown up in a Christian family. But she thought, why would God want anything to do with a dirty person like she felt dirty, she acted dirty. She embraced a party lifestyle. She got high on drugs and drunk every single day. She slept around. She was in the gutter. She was believing the lies of the enemy. How could God use me? She came into one of our meetings when she arrived in Kansas City. And she received prayer. And as she was received prayer, she saw a vision of Jesus. With his arms open wide. He said, come to me. She said, I, I couldn't. They prayed again. She saw the same vision. He looked at her directly in the eyes. She ran into his arms. He embraced her. He said, Ashley, Ashley, you're clean. You're clean. You're clean. Immediately, all the bad thoughts left. Jesus declared the truth over her. God is justified. No man can for them. But here's the cool thing what happened next. He didn't, this was not just a legal transaction. This girl was a breakdancer. Jesus was in his robe with his sandals. And in this vision she said, he began breakdancing. 
He doesn't just love you, he enjoys you. He made you. And you may go, but I'm so weird, God. He goes, I made you weird. I enjoy you. This young lady got so confident in the love of God. That just a few days later she went out preaching the gospel. She and another friend who had a similar experience. Oh, we love you so much, Jesus. Can we just go tell other people about you? So they preached the gospel to these students. Six teenage girls instantly get saved. Then they start getting mocked by these Muslim young men. This girl Ashley goes up to those Muslim young men. She walks up to this one young man. He starts trembling. She is fearless. This young man goes, what's going on? She says, that's the spirit of God. You need to repent and give your life to God right now. Instantly, the Muslim young man gives his life to the Lord and gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. She became fearless and anointed because she was absolutely confident for him in his life. And I feel like tonight the Lord spoke to me. And he said it's make and break time. Make and break. We need to break our agreement with the lies of the enemy. And we need to choose tonight to make agreement. There are too many of us living as second class citizens because of our failures. We've interpreted unfulfilled prophecies as God's judgment on us. And the Lord says, no, that's something entirely different. I have not given up on you. You sold yourselves for nothing. It's time to shake ourselves off the dust. To break agreement with the lies of the enemy. And to renounce the sins of the flesh. And to agree with his opinion on us. Your name is Hefzibah. Your name is Hefzibah. His delight is in you. Isaiah 62. His delight is in you. Song of Solomon 7. His desire is for me. 
He wants you to rule with him in this city. He wants you to do the greater works of God. He wants to display his son through you. But we've got to stand up. Men, we must stop. We've got to shake ourselves from the dust. We've got to loose ourselves from the lies around our necks. And we've got to agree with his opinion. I tell you, when some of you do that, you're going to experience your breakthrough. You're going to get your healing. You're going to find your deliverance. Let's stand up together.